Ever wonder how to get the hottest sneakers? The ones that barely even hit the shelves. See, these people think they have it all figured out. That those sneakers are already theirs. That today's their lucky day. Truth is, most of these people are catching ill. So, oh! Well, thankfully, I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen again. Really? Of course. Look, with StockX, the sneakers and streetwear you want are always available. Always authentic. Thanks. Stop waiting and visit StockX.com. Boom, what up, America? It's your host, Addison, man. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the 2021st episode. Ah! Oh, my gosh, man. Yo, I'm so excited to be back in the studio. I'm in the studio with my engineer, Eric, but this time I got a special guest in the building. I'm not going to tell y'all who it is. They're sitting in on the show with me. We got, we, we, we're trying to work on a co-host right now. We're trying to see and figure out who's going to be the next co-host. So over the next couple months, I will have some people be filling in for my show. I'm going to have some people that are going to be curating podcasts. But again, more information will be revealed as time goes on. But of course, you know, a lot has transpired in the wild world of sports since we have been on air. And, of course, today we got a, a jam-packed show. Of course, we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys and them hiring Mike McCarthy. Was this a good hire by Jerry? We'll talk Jimmy Butler in the NBA last night. We'll talk John Beeline calling his player thugs. And on today's edition of The Wrap-Up, we'll talk Tua Tagovailoa entering the NFL draft. Listen up. It's from the jump. But, of course, you know, starting off today's show, you know we got to start it off right. And that's, of course, with the none other than the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, the Dallas Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy this past week and made it official yesterday. Now, of course, here are some sound clips between Mike McCarthy and also Jerry Jones in the signing of Mike McCarthy to the Dallas Cowboys. was fortuitous for this franchise. And I, I just want to tell you, you know, the importance and the understanding of how to protect and, and be the steward of this iconic franchise I'm really looking forward to doing that. And to the fans and, you know, the commitment uh, will be unwavering, but you know, I won my first Super Bowl here in North Texas at AT&T AT Stadium. And I just want to tell you, I am anxious and excited to get to work on winning the next Super Bowl. For now, of course, after hearing hearing both sides talk about this, this, this situation here, and of course, Jerry hiring Mike McCarthy here. And again, when I looked at it, when initially it first happened, I, I, I was thankful. I was very thankful. Of course, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be honest about this situation. I was thankful that we went out there and got Mike McCarthy. And the reason why I was thankful that we went out there and got Mike McCarthy was simply because of the fact that all the other names that was out there were not appealing to me at all. Everybody talked about Lincoln Riley. And, before, and initially, I was high on Lincoln Riley. But then I said, you know what? Some coaches are just really good college coaches. I didn't see anything this year from Lincoln Riley that really transcended my eyes that made me say, I need him for the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody talked about Matt Rule, and of course, he signed with the Carolina Panthers. And of course, David Tepper, the, 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 the owner for the Carolina Panthers, basically said that he hired him because he looked like him. So again, you could kind of, and of course, Matt Rule being hired in the Carolina Panthers, they're a young they're a franchise that want to turn the page. They came out of the Ron Rivera era, era which they were able to get to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton. But I think this team and I think this organization wants to take a step forward. We're going to, it's interesting to see what they'll do with the Cam Newton move. But to me, Matt Rule from Baylor never really intrigued me. I mean, he had one season. They went 11-3. and three. He should be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Stop it. And of course, we talked about Josh McDaniels, but we see that he was a train wreck with the Denver Broncos. And honestly, like I said, all the Belichick coordinators never really turn out to be head coaches. <laughs> Matt Patricia. 
And then again, as I said, when Mike McCarthy was just sitting out there and they were saying that he was going to go meet with the Cleveland Browns, I was like, Jerry, go get Mike McCarthy. I'm tired of the Dallas Cowboys sitting back when they're free agents out there and not going to push the pedal to the metal. And we saw what Jerry Jones did. He said, look, I'm going to get Mike McCarthy. He's spending the night at my house. And by the time this weekend is over with, he will be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Now, I understand that a lot of people were kind of skeptical at first because they didn't fire Jason Garrett initially. But again, when, when you think about what had to happen with Jason Garrett, this was a process. And again, the Dallas Cowboys played the process just about as well as you possibly can play. Again, Jason Garrett was the Dallas Cowboys head coach for 10 years. So this guy wasn't just a coach that was coaching for three years and then were firing. No, this was a 10-year head coach who actually had a winning record, if we're being honest. So again, as what I'm saying about Mike McCarthy, who's entering the Dallas Cowboys as a 125 and 77 head coach, who does have a Super Bowl championship on his resume. We can say all we want to, well, it was because of Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, it was because of Aaron Rodgers, but it was also Mike McCarthy's play calling as well. And if you didn't see this year, though Kellen Moore is staying for the offensive coordinator, the offensive play calling this year was shaky. So I think he'll do wonders with Dak Prescott. People were saying that he not be able to run the ball. Like, what do you mean? You have one of the best offensive lines and you have Ezekiel Elliott. Why would you not run the football? This perfect situation for Mike McCarthy to walk in, success. The perfect situation. Again, Dallas, we didn't have time to try to figure it out. We didn't have time to try to hire a Urban Meyer, a first-year NFL head coach, just to see. No, no, no. Jerry's letting you know, Cowboys fans like me and everybody else out there, we need to win now. And I have all the respect in the world for Jerry by doing that. Jerry is saying, before I close my eyes, before it's my time, before before Jerry Jones leaves this earth, he wants another Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl and is willing to do anything to get it. As we said, he kept Ezekiel Elliott. Eventually, he will be paying Dak Prescott. Imari Cooper will be paid. The offensive line is intact for the next couple years. I just feel like offensively, and again, as we saw the game in which we had to have it against the Philadelphia Eagles, we put up nine points on the board. So as we can tell, offensively, that's the part where we need the most help at. And Mike McCarthy stepping in gives them the best chance. But of course, this weekend, you know, there, there are four big games. And of course, you know, I, I'd be amiss. I'd be wrong if I didn't give you my picks. Because like I said, the next podcast you probably won't hear won't be until January 13th. But of course, I will be picking the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers in that game. I'll be picking I'll be picking the San Francisco 49ers. I think the San Francisco 49ers defense is for real. And I believe that Kirk Cousins is one-dimensional, albeit that if Adam Thielen cannot play, if Adam Thielen cannot play this weekend, because I believe they said he got injured today in practice. So if he got injured today and his injury status is uncertain and or he's out for Sunday, Saturday's game, Against the 49ers, they're not going to have a chance in this game because that's their number one receiver. I love Stephon Diggs on the other side and Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position, but it's really going to just come down to how well the, the, the Minnesota Vikings run the football. If the Minnesota Vikings can have that consistent run game that they had last week against the Saints, I think they could pose a, a real threat against San Francisco 49ers. But as I said, the San Francisco 49ers team has been rested. I, I want to say Quan Alexander is coming back, but I don't like I said, I don't want to be quoted on that. I didn't read all the reports on that yet, but if if so, that's a huge boost for that defense. Again, Nikki Bosa is going to be in the building. Richard Sherman is going to be in the building. You know Eric Armstead is going to be in the building. You know that D-line, that front set, they're going to be there. So, again, for me, you know, Garoppolo, I trust Garoppolo. At this point, he's going to make enough plays. Kyle Shanahan isn't going to ruin it. He's going to run the football. He's going to keep that game, you know, relatively 
you know, sluggish in the first half. But, you know, I think in the second half, it'll open it up. But I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers, 24 to 17 over the Minnesota Vikings. But, of course, in that second game between the Tennessee Titans and also the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to simply come down to can Tennessee run the ball against that Baltimore Ravens defense? That Baltimore Ravens defense has been pretty stout all season long. And we saw last week in New England, Derrick Henry with the 34 carries, 182 yards, basically told us this is the game plan for us this postseason, that we're going to run the football and we're going to play defense. Ryan Tannehill isn't an elite quarterback, but you saw last week they didn't ask him to make dangerous throws. They didn't ask him to make crazy throws. As I said, they gave the ball to Derrick Henry 34 times. So a game on Saturday night in the bank, as as as, as Mark Ingram likes to say, big trust, woo-woo, they're going to run the football. And if this Baltimore Ravens defense can stop this Tennessee offense, I think it'll be a long night for the Tennessee Titans. It will be a long night. I just don't think offensively they can match up points for points with the Baltimore Ravens. But as I said, if they're able to do duplicate any type of game that plan, any type of success that they had last week against the New England Patriots, against the Baltimore Ravens, this game could be very interesting. This game could be very interesting, but I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. As I said, Lamar Jackson has been head and shoulders pretty much above everybody all year long. Mark Ingram, you know, of course, has been out, but I think they said he practiced today as well. So, of course, I'm sure he won't be missing the Saturday's game. And, of course, the Baltimore Ravens' is offense, you're going to have to find a way how to stop Lamar Jackson. I'm going with the, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens in this one, 31-14. to And then, of course, the two games on Sunday, and I think that one game that we all are going to have penciled in, you know, first things first are going to be the Texans and the Chiefs. And I think these are this is a game. Two offenses will be colliding against each other. We saw the Texans last week basically come back from 16 points down. That defense stood up when it needed to. J.J. Watt made plays. Like, on the road, I don't trust the Texans. And, again, this game will be at Arrowhead Stadium. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, the Texans did beat the Chiefs earlier on in the season. But, again, regular season, postseason play, I kind of don't really hold those things together because of the fact that they're really two different things. But in this case in point, it very well could come into play. The Chiefs are coming off a bye. So again, same thing for the 49ers. They were they've been at the house, they've been at the house chilling for a week of football. The Texans, like I said, came off of an inspiring win last week. And they want to keep that going. The Houston Texans ultimately believe that they're a team that belongs in that elite conversation. Of course, Deshaun Watson is elite quarterback, and they feel like this is their year to win the Super Bowl. Of course, the New England Patriots are not in it, so at this point, it's kind of anybody's game, if you will. But this is the same situation I was in against Ohio State and Clemson, where I'm picking my head versus my heart. My heart is telling me to pick the Houston Texans because I love Deshaun Watson, but my but my mind is telling me to pick the Kansas City Chiefs Simply because of the fact that, as I said, when you have a coach like Andy Reid going against a coach like Bill O'Brien, again, it speaks volumes as to, you know, my, my the thought process of coming in the game. Okay, third, like prime example, last week. At the end of the game, the Texans had the game won with like a minute and 31 seconds left. And Bill O'Brien had three timeouts left. Somehow, someway, he had to screw that up. Somehow, some way, he screwed that up. Not to mention, and against the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think you'll have the luxury of just being down 16-0 and being able to just come back. I know Deshaun Watson every time always brings them back, but this time I don't think he does. I think the Kansas City Chiefs get this win on Sunday. I believe the Kansas City Chiefs get this win on Sunday, 27-24. And, of course, the matchup on Sunday night, the matchup between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, 
will be a, a Hall of Fame matchup that we are all anticipating. And of course, I'm going to keep this one short, sweet, and to the point. I think both teams are equal. I really do. I don't think one defense is better than the other. I don't think Devontae Adams is better than DJ Metcalf, even though, of course, not better, but of course he's been in the league longer, that kind of deal. But the, the Seattle Seahawks have Tyler Lockett, right? So, I mean, again, there's there are, there are so many different underlines in this matchup. But I think it's going to come down to Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. Who ultimately wants it more? Russell Wilson is still trying to get his team back to a Super Bowl. He wants to ultimately kind of kind of show everybody that he can win it without the Legion of Boom because we're always going to say the Legion of Boom won that championship, not necessarily Russell Wilson leading them to that championship. So, again, I believe Russell Wilson and also Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll also wants to win another one to kind of cement himself in that kind of like upper echelon of top-tier coaches that have won multiple Super Bowls and, of course, have, have won college titles as well. So, again, with this matchup, also Matt LaFleur. This is his first time being in the playoffs. Like, how will he respond? Will he give Aaron Jones the football? Like, like what will be the game plan for the Green Bay Packers? Because, as I said, they're coming off a bye week. They're coming off a week of, of basically rest. So, at this point, there should be no excuses as to why the offense isn't fluent What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Like, we'll all be paying attention Sunday night to the Green Bay Packers. And I believe that Aaron Rodgers has all the pressure on him because, again, outside of Tom Brady, typically who do we say is is, is up there with Tom Brady in that top quarterback class? Of course, we're going to say Patrick Mahomes. Of course, we're going to say Lamar Jackson But as a, as a recent. But for the past, let's say, 10 years, it's been Brady, Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. Brady, Manning, and Rodgers. And, of course, all of them have Super Bowls. He has MVPs. And, of course, he has State Farm commercials. But he hasn't been back to the Super Bowl in a couple of years, in almost a decade. Clock's ticking, A-Rod. I'm just saying. I'm going with the Packers on this one. 31-30. Overtime. But don't go anywhere up next. We'll talk NBA. We'll talk Jimmy Butler going at it with TJ Warren. I'll give you my analysis on that. John Beeline apparently calling his players thugs. And on today's edition of the wrap up, we'll talk to a tag of Aloha's decision to enter the NFL draft. Listen up, it's from the jump. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that capture the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? If there were no more humble beginnings, Yeah, just down here. I'm in. Oh. Sorry, I'm dying. I'm dying.
the NBA announced today its all-star voting, its second round of its all-star voting at that. And, of course, the leading vote-getter, once again, is LeBron James. Now, of course, LeBron James led all votes. Luka Doncic initially was the leading vote-getter the initial when the initial first wave of all-star votes came out. But LeBron James now has the lead with 3,359,871 total votes. Luka Doncic is checking in with 3,277,870 votes. Giannis Adetokounmpo from the East also is checking in at third with 3,259,383 total votes. And then, of course, uh, Anthony Davis also has 3,124,446 total votes. And these are the only four players currently in the NBA that have over 3 million votes. Now, of course, the NBA fan voting, all-star game voting, rather, has changed. Of course, as we all know, 50% of the vote is for uh for the fans and the other 50 percent is for the media and also the players themselves so of course as we all know the breakdown for the five starters you have the two backcourt players and then you have three front court players for the east and then you also have them for the west and then of course then you have your reserves and then they were saying on the on the um the eastern side as well they were saying that nobody on the eastern side had over two million votes i think this the, the second person Close to Giannis was Joel Embiid with a million seven hundred eighty-four thousand two hundred eleven votes. Pascal Siakam had a thousand seven hundred thirty votes as well. Then I think Jimmy Butler had a million um, one million four hundred thousand votes as well. So again, as you see on the East compared to the West, star power, you know, the balance of power really has really shifted over the past couple years. But nevertheless, as I said, that was the the, the second wave of the All Star game. But speaking of Jimmy Butler. But now, of course, keeping with Jimmy Butler, apparently Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren had words for each other. Now, apparently an altercation ensued last night. I guess they were going back and forth at each other all night, and apparently it just spilled overboard. Now, in the middle of the third quarter where I guess the Heat were blowing out the Indiana Pacers, apparently Jimmy Butler chest bumped and TJ Warren got into it. Now, I want you to take a listen to the on-court situation. I think it's tough for him because... I can guard him and he can't guard me. Like, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, but like I said, um, I think you just got to watch your mouth in certain situations. There's some that you just don't say as a man. And, um, I mean, he, he got he to see me the next time because I, I feel like what he said was was truly disrespectful. And it's all good because um, we see him again. I'm, I ain't scared of nobody. So, you know, he talking about, oh, we're going to fight, this, that, this, that. It is what it is to me. Now, of course, as media members, we love these moments, right? We love when drama ensues. We love when guys go at each other. This situation really isn't a big, big deal only because of the simple fact that no punches were thrown. They didn't really get a chance to push each other, right? It was just kind of a whole lot of chesty, I'm tougher than you, you're tougher than me kind of deal. I am intrigued to know what he said because, you know, everybody says, you know, I I'm very disrespected by what he says. Now, of course, on my end, I kind of, you know, there are a couple things that I could in mind, think of that what he could have possibly said to kind of set him off like that. Because anytime, you know, once you get set off like that, you know, somebody has to have done some ball, you know, unlike football, you know, in basketball, you can't really hit people. You can't really tackle people. You can't really, you know, take your frustration out on the next play. You kind of got to keep it going, you know, in the flow of the game, if you will. So, you know, by Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren going at it last night, these situations are going to happen. And again, I remember there was a point in time when the NBA Everybody thought it was buddy buddy, and I think we're starting to see now. You know, guys are going are starting to go back to that old way of NBA where I don't like you, you don't like me. And again, Miami is currently second right now in the East. Indiana is sixth. 
So these are two teams right now who are two really good teams. Two teams right now who are trying to find themselves, trying to identify themselves as to who they are before we go into the All-Star break. So again, I can understand why drama would ensue last night, but this is really just not a big deal. As I said, the Miami Heat blew the Pacers out. But hey, please believe, but hey, please believe the next time they play each other, you know it's going to be a national game. You know they're going to flex that one on ESPN because, as we said, Jimmy Butler, what he's saying in his little clip, hey, he going to have to see me straight up. He can't guard me. He said, tell the coach to put somebody else on him because he can't guard me. I love it. I love it. Of course, me and Eric, we were talking about it earlier. We was watching kind of like the highlights of, of what transpired. I, like I said, I love when the guys get tested and they go at it because in the NFL, we get it all the time. Guys going to collide as football. We may see it on the next play. In basketball, you may not see it. You got to, you know, catch it when it happens. And last night it transpired. It went down. Shout out to Jimmy Butler, though. Hey, shout out to TJ Warren. He held his own. But shout out to Jimmy Butler, though. That's my guy. But, of course, keeping with the NBA, a story came out late last night about John Beeline. Now, apparently, John Beeline was addressing his team during a film session. I believe it was Wednesday. And apparently, John Beeline used the word thugs in regards to his team's play on the court but apparently that wasn't what he meant to say he had meant to say slugs and here's what john beeline had to say at shoot around this morning so uh, so first of all i want to be clear out something that, that yes, yesterday in a film session uh, uh i used a word that uh that when i meant to say uh, slug uh, the word thug came out uh, it was brought to my attention a couple hours later called all the players afterwards uh, explain the situation. We met about it today. We apologized. I apologized about it today as well. Now, of course, being the guy that I am, being the media member I am, I'm not going to just let this situation slide. Now, could he have very well meant to say slugs? Absolutely. He could have very well meant to say slugs. But I'm not going to let John Beeline slide here. Why? Because he has coached black players before. And I know the Cleveland Cavaliers is not an all-black team. But why would you refer to basketball players as thugs? Because you're trying to send a message straight up. But now, of course, being a smart guy that I am, I went up and I looked up the word slug. What does the word slug mean? Because I wanted to really understand what did he really mean in the context of his team was playing like slugs. So, of course, slug, as we all know, the slang term is lazy, sluggish. But the real word is called sluggard, which is a habitually lazy person so basically he was calling his team a habitually lazy team is what he meant to say right in in the word slug but i looked up the word thug and this is all coming from miriam webster's dictionary and the word thug is a brutal refine a brutal refine or an assassin so you were referring to your team as a brutal refine or an assassin on the court now of course the slang term of what thug and what he meant in regards to basketball was a lot of one-on-one play, too much dribbling, not enough passing, right? Guys thinking that they're better than what they are, and they're losing. Again, the Cleveland Cavaliers this season are 10-27. and 27. This is one of the worst teams in the NBA. As we've been seeing over the past couple weeks, they've been having issues. Kevin Love the other night threw a temper tantrum on the court because he wanted the basketball because he felt like he wasn't getting it and he had a mismatch. So as I'm saying with this situation with the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's dysfunction. You have a GM that has no idea what he's doing in Kobe Altman. Dan Gilbert, who sold his soul to LeBron for that championship. And you have a coach in John Beeline 
who who just took the job. Who just took the job, right? Who took the job? Shouts out to Jawan Howard, who's right now coaching Michigan. But John Beeline should still be at Michigan right now. He took the Cavaliers' job. And oh, by the way, they haven't had any draft picks in I don't know how long they haven't had any draft picks since Andrew Wiggins. And which they traded for Kevin Love, remember? <laughs> they traded for Kevin Love. Last year, the Cavaliers were 19 and 63. They had to fire Ty Lue. They had to get up out of here. The past two years, their draft picks have been Darius Garland and, and Colin Sexton. And I like both of those players, but they're the same thing. They're both point guards and or combo guards, however you want to look at them. That isn't going to work. So as I said, the Cleveland Cavaliers are dysfunctional. But John Beeline calling his players thugs. You no, know, he knew exactly what he meant. He knew exactly what he said. I'm tired of the coaches and these people in position of power get to say certain things at the slip of a tongue, and then they get to walk them back. Like, oh, I didn't mean to. It's just my old age. I, I slipped. The no, you didn't. You meant what you said, and you said what you meant. You called your players thugs because that's how they were playing. You felt like they were playing selfishly. You felt like they were dribbling too much and not passing. And oh, by the way, you felt like it was too much individualism. So you said what you meant and you meant what you said. But like I said, people in certain positions of power get to walk that back. Kevin Durant doesn't get to walk certain things back. LeBron doesn't get to walk certain things back. Hell, the president, for crying out loud, doesn't get to walk certain things back. And I'm not comparing any of these people by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm saying is, by him calling his players thugs, he's out of line. Should he be fired for this action? No. But what it now does is, okay, now I'm paying attention to John Beeline. Now I'm paying attention to the Cleveland Cavaliers now because, as I said, we're seeing this dysfunction. And if you're a GM and Kobe Altman, where is your direction going as a franchise? Kevin Love is being on the team. He signed that extension, but it's clear he doesn't want to be on the team. Tristan Thompson, I mean... <laughs> so as I said, if the Cleveland Cavaliers are swimming in dysfunction. I'm not going to make a big deal about this story by his players being called thugs. But what I will say is this. He know exactly what he was saying. It's John Beeline. On today's edition of the wrap-up, Tua Tagovailoa, junior quarterback from the University of Alabama, has decided that he will be committing to the NFL draft and will forego his senior season. Now, of course, Tua Tagovailoa did suffer a fractured hip against Mississippi State on November 12th and had surgery days later and is still months away from returning to the football field. So with that being said, of course, me and Eric, of course, compiled all the top NFL teams that will be in this year's NFL draft. And, and I wanted to come up with ultimately which team would be equipped to take on Tua Tagovailoa. Again, we understand outside of Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa is the next best prospect. I know Justin Herbert has declared. I believe Jacob Eason has declared. I believe Jake Fromm has declared. And I think all those quarterbacks are nice quarterbacks, and I think they will be serviceable backups in the league. But I think at the end of the day, Tua and Joe Burrow, I, I, I believe if Tua didn't get hurt, Alabama would have been in the college football playoff ultimately. But ultimately, with that being said, do the Los Angeles Chargers really fall in love with Tua Tagovailoa? Do the Miami Dolphins really need Tua Tagovailoa at this point? Phillip Rivers needs a succession plan. And Tua Tagovailoa doesn't seem like a bad option for the Los Angeles Chargers. And third, but simply not least, is the Carolina Panthers.
They did just hire Matt Rule for the next seven years. We did see with this year with Cam Newton, this probably will be his last year in Carolina. Will Greer and Kyle Allen actually were not the answers at quarterback for the future for the Carolina Panthers. So David Tepper and again, Matt Rule will be trying to devise a plan on how, you know, they will ultimately move forward at, at quarterback. But if you're looking at this team, Tua Tagovailoa coming in, maybe having a red shirt for a year, getting his hip right will be a perfect fit. So again, He's going to go in the top 10. It's just a matter of to who. But of course, we are streaming on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Podbean, wherever podcasts are distributed. That's where you can find our show. So continue to keep streaming us. Tell a friend to tell a friend. But it's your boy, episode 98 of From the Jump. We out.